millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Capture comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Capture at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show today. I know a lot of people are flat out at this stage after the week we've had in the North East, but there you go. Memories, memories for a lifetime really created in Drogheda in the last week with the hundreds of thousands of people who came to the town. And well done to one and all for a wonderful, wonderful festival. I congratulate you all. It went off really well for everybody and good luck to Mullingar next year with the Fla moves. Let me tell you what happening on the show today. Siobhan O'Neill White is in with us. School's back very shortly. It's costly. She has great recommendations. Superintendent Martin Walker is here. Wildlife crime. It's a big business. But first up today, Claudia Schiffer, Ava Herzegova, Kate Upton, Julia Leskova. Those names ring a bell, don't they, with an awful lot of people? Yes, all famous models who at one time or another modelled for guests. And guess what? You're going to add another name from County Mead to that prestigious list. Yes, Hannah Rose May is the new model with guests. She's an actress. She's a writer. She's a model. Is there no end to this woman's talent? And she's back with me on Late Lunch today. Hey, it's great to see you. I couldn't come to Ireland and not come into my best, you know. <laughs> oh, my word. Look at this. Look at the blush. My, 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 my cheeks are nearly matching your lovely colours there, the deep red that you're wearing. I'm delighted to see you again. Thanks very much for coming back. I'll tell you what, you're the queen of Instagram. I am. You oh. are. I'd have to tell my agent that because they don't think so, but I appreciate that. <laughs> you are the queen of Instagram. I know it because you're on there all the time. Is it so important to someone like you, that platform? Uh, yeah, I think in today's day and day, people want to see what you're up to kind of on the daily. And, you know, it's kind of part of the business now. And especially the likes of guests and, you know, companies like that, their social media is so enormous to everything that they do. So, yeah, it's a... I try. I don't love social media. I have my love-hate with it. I think everyone does, but uh, I do what I can because I know that I have you following me, Jerry. I, I, so. I am following you. I know. I, I, I can't, but every day I switch it on. There she is. She's in this guy's or that guy's. Hey, I tell you what, you've had to cover up with the clothes since you oh. came to Ireland, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't by choice. That's more so my mom making me wear clothes, but uh, no, it's been freezing. It's so funny. I come home and I forget that. It's like I'm like, oh, it's summer, but last time I was here, it was pretty warm last summer. You know, last time I was in with you last year, we had a bit of a heat wave. It was a roaster here in yeah. Ireland last year. But you arrived in here in your LA clothes, I Hollywood did. gear, and the next thing the Irish weather says, hey, Hannah. 
I did. Not even your mother. I the know. The weather said it to you, didn't it? I literally ran into one of those, like, <laughs> carols, I think, like one of our big Dublin charity stores, or not charity stores there, our tourist stores, yes. and got an Ireland jacket raincoat. And I was, like, walking around like a big tourist, like, with this big green hood on, freezing. But it worked out. <laughs> well, you could go incognito when you're dressed like that in this yeah. country, unlike where you live. Anyway, this gig with guests. Tell me about it. How did it happen? Honestly, I didn't even go for a casting or an audition or anything. And I've never really seen guests have redhead models. So I'd never, it was never something that I ever thought was kind of achievable, to be honest. But it's funny because when my American agent signed me at 17 from Ireland and he was like, oh, you're going to move over to America. You know, is there any brands that you'd love to work with? I just said like, oh, I'd love to work for guests someday. I'm no longer 17, but uh, it was still really nice to work for guests. So yeah, one day I just got a call from my agent and they were like, you're in tomorrow for guests. And, you know, what they do is they bring you in, they book you and they see like how you work and how you drive with them. And uh, after that, though, I've had three or four shoots now. Terrific. And yeah. like, it's as simple as that in this instance, because you were telling me before, you know, how competitive the modelling, yeah. the acting, all the, the businesses you're involved in are. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's like you asked about social media, like they probably found me on the likes of that. You know, that's a lot of models are found. A lot of brands, you know, they say like the casting directors for these brands, they spend a lot of their their day looking on social media because although your photos are beautiful on your agency's websites you know there's always the bit of like photoshop and blemish remover or whatever they do but your instagram and your videos are obviously true to yourself so they see you for who you are on the daily um and it was one thing that they said when i was in there they were like talking to me about a photo that i'd posted previously so they definitely looked on my instagram before they booked me so so yeah ah, so there you are it does pay dividends yeah. and we are on Facebook Live at this minute in time if you care to join us on the uh, Facebook at the minute you can see this beautiful lady in studio with <laughs> me here this very afternoon now a bit of a, a wardrobe change w- w- when you come home H- how long are you here for what's the I'm only involved? here now for another couple of days uh, I've already been here for a week we did a bit of a road trip me and my parents and my boyfriend is over from America so uh, he's here he in the is. corner he's keeping a good eye on me I feel the heat here <laughs> on my right hand side <laughs> Uh, I think he thinks he's on like an episode of like Newsroom, like <laughs> one of his favorite What's shows. What's his name? His name's Spencer. Spencer, you're very welcome. He's in studio here, and your mum is here, Fiona, know, as well with us, also in the studio. Oh, you're number one. The two and we're brushing, and they're not even like seen. Um, the, yeah, it's funny. So my stepdad, he he was too embarrassed, so he's waiting in the car listening. He's now. outside, yeah, is he? So you did this trip. Where'd you go? Where, where, where'd oh, we you... went to Killarney, of course. He couldn't couldn't bring an American over to Ireland, not take him to Killarney. Uh, did Clarny, did Kilkenny, did a couple of towns that I'd never even heard of before. Like Burr was one of them. Oh yes, yeah, it was a couple County of County Offaly. Yeah, we went to that. It was a really nice, sleepy town. Um, so yeah, we just we spent like two nights in everywhere. So we just got back. I think we basically spent every night in a pub listening to like Irish music, and it's been great. They just got on Instagram and Burr to say, did she say sleepy town? Oh. <laughs> quaint quaint <laughs> no in fairness though we went like we just we were just got back yesterday and it's a Sunday you know like so a Sunday in anywhere in Ireland is fairly sleepy ah it certainly yeah. is we still like outside the big you know the big towns and cities and shopping yeah. areas there is that feel you know yeah. you know what you're talking about that yeah. that feel to Sunday as well 
you love coming back, don't you? you? I get that always. And it's family and friends and all that type of thing. I think the next trip home, honestly, would be to house shop, but I don't want to announce that too much. Really? My parents are so excited about the concept. But yeah, um, definitely, I feel like every place we went, we were stopping and looking at prices and towns and everywhere. uh, Because, like, you know, I want to be able to come home more often and... You know, as much as I love my parents, I don't really want to come home and spend the whole time <laughs> in my room, in my box room with them. <laughs> you know, it's like, especially have my own space in LA. So, uh, so yeah, and, uh, you know, the housing market in Ireland is yeah constantly I evolving. Think so. I think it's a real good business concept. Yeah. And, like, it is. It must be a 26-year-old young woman moving back into the house, is not... No, it's, it's not my ideal situation yeah. now, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm hoping to get something here so I can hopefully spend, like, you know, six months of the year here, six months in L.A. Terrific. Yeah. Is he into this? Uh, he hasn't got a choice, you know, like, so he's, Jerry's pointing at my boyfriend now, like, you know, I'm a, a strong, independent Irish woman, so make me rules. Oh, the Irish women hold sway, we yeah. all know that. He mightn't know it yet, but he's going to know it shortly, yeah. and he's hearing it today here, live on LMFM's <laughs> Late Lunch. The whole business over there that you're involved in, right, this is a big modelling gig, and it's a really mm-hmm. significant one for you as well. But look, I mentioned uh, at the outset there, you're doing so much more because the acting is rattling along yeah. and you've have you written this book I did um so we have a I have a young adult graphic novel coming out in 2020 I can't talk too much about it because the publisher isn't ready to talk about it yet but uh yeah so I'll have my first book out and then it's a children's book for now and then hopefully it'll open doors so I can do more of what I want to do but uh, yeah. yeah I'm very grateful for it another string to your bow what about the acting tell me what's been going on there since you were with me last well the day that I wrapped I just filmed a movie um, in Kentucky in America which is a whole other world in itself Uh, the day that I wrapped that I flew to Ireland so for the last god six weeks I've just been go 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 but um, so yeah I just filmed a movie in Kentucky it's for theatrical release for 2020 I uh, can't say much about the plot, but it's called Exploited, and it's a psychological thriller. My mom is so sick of me doing thrillers or anything along those lines. She's dying for me to do a Christmas movie or a rom-com. I now call her, and I'm like, oh, I have, I'm after get, getting this or getting that. And she's like, is it a rom-com? I'm like, no. Is it a Christmas movie? No. Uh, Hannah. You know, like, <laughs> so I'm not sure my mom's going to be too excited about watching this one, but I'm very excited about of it. Of course I play, you are. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the Ford leads. So, are you um, in this yeah. one? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get, to, I get to go to college. I was living my college experience for the first time, living in a dorm. Wouldn't recommend it if you haven't done it before, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, get to do the full So American. you're glad you missed that step in your life. You know, you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You've seen what, what it's really like. You know when you're out shooting for that number of weeks in a mm. row and you're on set as well? Yeah. Is it is it intense? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we filmed six days a week. You know, and I was doing 14 to 16 hour days. Um, it's exhausting. Like, it really is. But you're, it's so exciting and I love it so much that, like, even though it's the hard, that, that movie might have been the hardest I've ever worked in my whole life. Um, it was the best experience I've ever had. Like, hands down, I've had a lot of sad experiences and that was my favorite one to date. Everyone that I was with got on so lovely. The crew was lovely. Everyone was so hardworking. It was just go, go, go. And then also, like, being one of the leads, I'm on set every day, you know, in every scene. So you didn't, I didn't really get a second to stop and think, but it's so funny because I'm playing an American in the movie and uh, now that I'm in Ireland, people are like, oh my God, I had no idea that you were 
so Irish. And I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, <laughs> because obviously I'm putting on American accent the whole time that I'm on set. Like, um, it was funny. One day on set, I posted a BTS on my story on Instagram. Don't know if you saw it, Jerry. But uh, explain to me what a BTS is. Behind the scenes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I posted a quick second. And I'm only talking in it for a brief second. And I must have sounded fairly American after doing American accent all day. The amount of abuse that I got in my DMs from everyone worried that I'd lost my accent. And I had to like, I didn't want to respond because you're not supposed to respond to trolls is what they say. But I was so offended that people thought that that was how he sounded on the daily. <laughs> and it wasn't well. And you went back at them, did you? Yeah? I you didn't. Responded. I held my tongue. Oh, do. I'll always. go back at them now and tell them to listen to this. Absolutely. And you'll hear a slight American accent. <laughs> I think if you have it, you have this like twang, you know. It's, but you have to have your living over there. Yeah, you know, you go back and you, I feel like there's days where I'm playing an American, playing an Irish, playing someone who's Southern, you know, like they want a Texas accent or they want you to put in a Boston accent. There be I could be play five people in some in a day. Sometimes, sometimes I don't even know who I am, you know. Like uh, it's very exciting for my boyfriend, you know. He gets someone different every day, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's, it's funny because when I'm on set and film in the movie my mum would be messaging me and I'm like I can't talk to you today like because I'll just lose the accent that's all it takes it takes one second to like have one interaction with someone Irish and that's it you're Irish again but isn't that a brilliant ability and talent to have to be able to switch in and out as well yeah do you know I meant to ask many times an actress or actor this when you're on a movie set and they take one you know and Take two, take three. This happens, does it? Yeah. Many, many takes. Yeah, it also depends on, like, you know, there's certain angles that they're shooting in. You know, when you watch a scene, you see it from, like, one perspective and you see it from another perspective. So, yeah, there's, like, multiple takes on different things. And sometimes it's not even the acting. It's, like, the sound is off, so they have to take another take. And if they do, then that's take two, you know. So, yeah, your your hope is to always get it in one, you know. But uh... Well, I can tell you, I'd never get it in one, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, look... When you're asked to take a number of times, do you ever say within yourself, even though you're a pro and you're an actress and you have to be up for it and you have to deliver, do you ever say to yourself, in the name of God, will we ever get this? I'm well, fed up. I can't swear, so yeah. I can't say what I really want to say. But he's raising his hand to me now. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, because at the end of the day, you want the best, you want the best, you want to put your best self out there too. Yes. So if they're not, getting what they think then you're going to give them what they want you know mm. but uh, yeah there's definitely been certain scenes that are more frustrating than others especially if it's a stunt scene and you're doing the same thing over again and over again because I take very seriously that I'd love to do my own stunts and there's uh, one or two stunts in this movie that uh, definitely ended up with a few bruises, bruises from but, uh, really yeah. yeah so you did them yourself the yeah. reason I put up my hand when she mentioned cussing there oh gosh she has the distinction Hannah of being the only <laughs> lady ever in the history of late lunch to curse on this show do I get a trophy? I think we're going to put a trophy up in your name. Yeah, I, I think I deserve a trophy or a badge or something. <laughs> oh, look, it wasn't bad. It was only a Freudian slip the last time she was written. She's just so excited. It led into something else, weren't you? I Yeah, it was... Well, Jerry, I'm never hearing the end of it from you, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you will. That's it. I'm never going to mention it again. I just got it in. Let's head to a short break on late lunch. Isn't she lovely? I'm delighted she's with me today. Hannah Rose May from County Meath is making it big, the far side of the Atlantic. And we're live on Facebook. And we're just going to say goodbye to people on Facebook Live now. But stay with us on late lunch. More from this wonderful lady after the break. She is the one for guests. Yes, she is indeed. Hannah Rose May is with me on late lunch this afternoon. Do you know what I wanted to come back to? Something you did a while ago. Do you 
remember you played the air hostess in Ballers? Of course I remember. We first, you know, yeah. first real, real and, gig. And, and the story of that one where, who was it, Dwayne Johnson, he said something to you, didn't he, that he tried to unnerve you a bit, didn't he? He did. Tell us that little story again. Well, I can't swear. Yeah, well, just leave the, I'll, I'll bleep. Okay. Well, he said, he gets on, you know, we're on this tiny jet and obviously it's Dwayne Johnson so he's a huge man he steps on I you know my heart starts pounding he puts his hand out he shakes my hand and he asks me name and everything and then he just goes don't beep, beep up <laughs> you know <laughs> we know what you're saying yeah. I know what and, you're saying yeah and then just walked off <laughs> just left me there <laughs> like just left me to in, sweat and die in, and in this tight Silence, a tight chest of Dwayne. Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't like you anymore for doing this to, <laughs> to, to this young woman. I don't. I mean, but look, it was a bit of fun at it the end, and I know fun. he came back to you and yeah. said he knew what he was actually up to. But here's the thing, you know, when you fly and you fly a bit and you flew home, yeah. and uh, do you look at the air hostesses? <laughs> you know, when you play a part, you know, do you look at them and think? Mm, you know, I've done that job. As you mentioned about staying in the yeah. dorm in the college, does things like that ever go through your head or uh, am I off the mark completely? I, I wouldn't call myself a method actor by any means. I'm not going to step up and be like, can I rehearse here, please? But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, there's bits that you take without even realising it. I've seen so many air hostesses in my whole existence. But you don't realise that, you know, you know more than you think when you get these roles, mm. you know. Mm. But uh, thank God I didn't have to do the whole, like, the exits to the left, you know. I didn't have to do any of all that. Do you pay attention to any of that? You know, when you're on a flight anymore, when you're a regular traveller, yeah. or do you just say, oh, yeah, they're at that again. Let's see what's happening on Instagram. I know. Sometimes I actually don't. And then they look at me and they're like, please say yes if you're sitting in an exit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Air assessors, though, they have a hard job. You know, yeah, yeah. I I was struggling even walking up and down those heels like for the, for that scene. So I can't imagine how they do it all day, uh, all day, every day yeah. on many flights as well. Hey, what about the states and Mr. Trump and all that and what's going on over there at the minute? Oh God, Jerry, we're talking politics. I always now. I have to ask. I ask anybody with an association with America. I should probably put your boyfriend into this. Yeah, studio. no. You... But anyway, look, you live there, and you... I mean. I'm afraid to say anything too negative at the end of the day since I am an immigrant. I understand. Just, you know, I've I understand got a visa, that. but uh, yeah, but definitely not my favourite person. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's okay. You know, you can vote one way or the other and exactly. that's all she's saying. She won't be voting for you, Donald, in the yeah. next election. That's just it. You understand that. I can't vote anyway as a foreigner. It's oh, terrible, no. I know. Yeah. Maybe someday, yes. Maybe someday. Yeah, yeah, okay. But if you had you had the option, you wouldn't, you're saying. Anyway, it wouldn't be him. We'll leave that for another time. Um, what's next? You know, when you go back now, what's lined up? What what, what have you planned? Uh, well, obviously, I just, you know, I just wrapped, you know, six weeks on this movie now. So, and then straight on a plane to Ireland. So, the idea of having nothing on sounds really nice. But uh, I know that's not the case because my agents are already messaging me being like, when are you home? What date are you home? Um, the next gig that I have booked is solid for the 4th of September that's you know signed sealed deliver so I definitely have something on the 4th but uh, as for the next the week when I get back there's nothing as of now but mm. that changes I get told my schedule at 6pm every night what the next day is so it could I could be home I could be shooting for gas again I could have 12,000 auditions that I don't know about yeah it's one of those things that's really hard to plan in advance mm. you never know when you sit here today and see where you are and what you've achieved and you just decided to go, you said that, I'm going to chase this dream. Well, sitting in front of you, Jerry, is my biggest achievement. Ah, <sighs> oh, talk about melting a man's heart. <laughs> 
yeah. get serious. Come on. <laughs> you know um, what I'm saying. Yeah. You went and your mom's here and everybody in your family and you say, I'm going to do this, you know, and you went out there, you know, and you had to do it yourself. Yeah, and there was definitely plenty of times where I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? You know, especially younger. And um, when I first started modelling and living in New York, when all my friends were going to college and I was like, you know, trying to you know, pursue modelling full time. Um, I definitely had the doubts then, but uh, yeah, now I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, I'm so lucky. Like, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, nothing happens overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight success. So uh, it's definitely taken a little longer than I anticipated when I first stepped off the boat, technically. But uh, in the scheme of things, now I've realised it hasn't taken long at all. Like, when I see, when I, you know, on set and I meet all these other actors and you know the time frame of things like I've yeah I've really been very fortunate I say um but then again you know hard work meets what's the term like something about when hard work meets preparation or something along those lines equal success that's it you have the looks you have the gift of the gab (laughs) a little too much though apparently the gruig (laughs) the gruig the red hair I know it's funny because the day before I left set in Kentucky before I flew to Ireland I got offered a campaign, a hair campaign, and they wanted to chop all my hair off, basically. And uh, turn that down. I know, I know. Don't take that. I know. I, I did sit in it for a little bit because, like you know, some days I'm like, oh, long hair. I feel like I'm getting shorter and shorter. But then, with the likes of guests, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be doing those kind of gigs. Hey, you can pick and choose now. (laughs) Don't do that one. It's too nice. Come on, it'll take too long for it to return again. Don't leave it as long till you're back here with me. Lovely to see you. So lovely Welcome to see you, home Jerry. again and good luck and good fortune continue to you. You deserve it, I have to say. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, I didn't Hannah swear. Rosemary. You didn't. You're great. <laughs> I love you even more. <laughs> anyway, we're heading towards news and weather too in the company of the wonderful Niall Horan and Slow Hands. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. reminding you that all this week on Late Lunch we're teaming up with Coors Light who want to reward life's big and small victories through their new awards the Rockies. We're giving you the chance to win cash, yes cold hard cash, some Coors Light goodies and the chance to attend the exclusive Rockies Victory Party an award ceremony like no other so if you have a story, we're talking about it here on Late Lunch on Friday myself and Louise if you have a, had a win in your life or a victory, whatever that may be big or small, we want to hear about it And we're going to hear a great story later on in Late Lunch. And it'll give you an idea of what we're looking for over the week ahead. Uh, We're looking for you to come to us with your stories. And you could win big with Coors Light. More on that a little bit later on in the show. 
It's an astonishing figure. What am I talking about? 20 billion euro. Yes, that's what wildlife crime is estimated to be worth worldwide each year. And no surprise here in Ireland, we are significant contributors. I'm sad to say that, but it is a fact. Now, we're going to talk about it for the next while with Superintendent Martin Walker from Angardashi O'Connor. And it's a passion of his now, the investigation and prosecuting of wildlife crime cases, besides all else he has to do. Uh, Martin, you're very welcome to Late Lunch today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me. Like that note, is an extraordinary figure. It's an extraordinary figure, but it's very, very accurate. I was over in Madrid last year at a conference organised by the EU and it is a realistic representation of the money that's made. Following drugs importation, firearms smuggling and human trafficking, we are the, the wildlife crime is the biggest money spinner for organised crime units around the world. Well, you can understand when there's that amount of money involved. What's the bedrock of that figure? I just I was trying to think as you were coming here. Is it exotic animals, the elephant ivory, etc.? Yeah, I suppose, Jerry, ivory poaching, rhino poaching in Africa to illegal trade of, of reptiles across Europe. And, 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 you know, down to simple things like badger baiting down in Kildare, the Midlands are up here in the northeast. So, you know, it is, it comes back home here right onto our doorstep. Before we get into the ins and outs of the Irish situation, yes. is this crime policed seriously in the world? It is. It is policed seriously across the world, um, particularly uh, in Europe and down around the Mediterranean, where it's estimated that some 15 million songbirds are eaten and regular, and annually. It's, a hard, it's, it's an incredible number, but that's the reality of it. Uh, the EU, they take a very strong um, uh, stance on it, and they've suggested that each government of each independent state have a wildlife crime unit set up. Now, unfortunately, we don't have one here in Ireland. However, we have appointed inspectors in every division in the country, and they take that on as a portfolio of responsibility. And then we send, set up our own little unique individuals have an interest in it and take up that baton of responsibility to enforce the Wildlife Act. So do we need an aspect of Interpol? We're all familiar with that in a crime sense. Focusing on wildlife, do you think? Well, you know, it's a priority of ours, so much so that in the Joint Policing Committee down in Kildare, where I come from, it's on our five-year plan. And it's something that's discussed every year as well, once or twice per year. So it's a focus there. And, you know, we need an initiative. We need to develop DNA collaboration between all of the stakeholders develop cordial working relations and partnership. It's the only way forward because we're not, no one individual are uniquely able to to challenge this behaviour, Jerry. Now, let's talk about Ireland and what's happening in this country. What are the main areas of crime against wildlife or wildlife crime that you come across? The four main areas that I concentrate on, firstly, is deer poaching. Secondly is finching, and I think one of your callers had an inquiry. Actually, on that we have earlier. something about that already, and I'll read it in a few moments. Go on, yeah, yeah finching. Uh, the third one is hair poaching, and the fourth one then is badger baiting, which lies in, in closely associated with dog baiting or dog fighting. Yes, okay. Which is a serious so, so they're the four main categories. And look, just I, I have a message here. I'm going to come to in a moment. But if you want to comment on this or have anything to say about wildlife crime, 086 1800 658. You can WhatsApp us, you can text us, or you can call in on eighteen fifty. Seven one five nine five eight. Deer are beautiful. We know the herds in the Phoenix Park. There are deer quite close to where we're sitting here today, just out the road here without naming where, but I'm sure unscrupulous people know where they are. They do indeed, Jerry. You had a case in the paper. Just just recount that case that, yeah. that you were very successful with. We had a recent prosecution which was over in Wicklow um, uh, District Court about two weeks ago and uh, it, it in, involved the use of DNA for the first time in a wildlife prosecution and because of that DNA evidence it was um, fundamental to 
securing this conviction of a, a man down from Ratvilly who was caught literally in possession of a, a poached deer on, on National Park area of, of uh, the Sally Gap. But without that DNA, we'd have had some difficulty in getting it across the line. So we are moving forward all of the time, Jerry. We're, we're concentrating our efforts and we're developing various methodologies to, to beat and combat and robustly challenge this criminal behaviour. Is that the guy that was caught with the hundred and odd, hundred and thirty odd deer? Is that a different case? No, that that that, that case was a matter we ran in twenty fourteen. It was an investigation following the inaugural Irish Wildlife Crime Conference organised by the by Emma Higgs. You know Emma, wonderful, wonderful, great woman. contributor. Yes, and um, it was intelligence driven. We arrested an individual in relation to wildlife crime, and he admitted shooting poaching one hundred and thirty nine stags in the first two months of the season. So you can only imagine what he would have shot and poached if he had been allowed to facilitate it for the next four months. So there's and big money to be made there, Jerry. Venison is prestigious, it, yes. it, it's expensive meat and there is obviously a market for it there. And there is a market. Unfortunately as well with this, we have to say, Martin, people, and we'll come on to salmon in a minute, there's a nod and a wink in Ireland, you know what I mean, I'll get you salmon or I'll get you a nice piece of venison, but you're facilitating. If you buy, you're facilitating, aren't you? Well, you see, a lot of the venison goes through uh, registered wildlife dealers who are licensed by the National Parks and Wildlife and yes. they're entitled to deal with it. OK. Now, they are only obliged to confirm one of two things. One is that the individual who's p- producing the, the venison to him has a meat handling course done. And secondly, that he's in possession of a licence granted by the National Parks and Wildlife Service. They're not required to do any further inquiry in relation to any aspect of where that deer was sourced, how was it processed, um, or, or anything like that. So and that is a change that's needed then, you're That's a me. change, and I think it's something that the legislator should look at. Uh, maybe the National Parks can make recommendations. And just to, to, to inquire more as the provenance of the particular animal. Where did it come from? You see individuals, and I've seen them myself and I've followed them, coming in with 20 deer over a weekend. That's an incredible amount of deer. And, and These people are fully engaged and employed. <laughs> so it suggests nocturnal activity. Yes, absolutely. You know? and, and as well, you have to say, you only shoot deer under licence. It's, it's restricted. It takes a high velocity uh, weapon at times to, to knock a deer, you know, and do it right. You need to know what you're doing, as you said a moment That's ago. Right. And as well as that, we're not saying deer herds are culled, but it's done in a fashion that's legal and, and above board. Um, so there is a market and, and people are, are are at this. So deer is one of the big areas. What about uh, where else? Come to that, to another area or uh, well, an finching, illustration. Finching is... is yes, is, let's come on to that. Can yeah. I read this comment here? Yeah, yeah, that's just come in. Uh, hi, on the subject of wildlife abuse, I'm on a mission, says a listener, about goldfinch, goldfinch trapping. Now, goldfinches, they're beautiful, beautiful birds, the colours. It's cruel. Uh, many times I've asked the Irish wildlife people, but nothing has come of it. Uh, this has to stop because there's a massive decline in goldfinches, says a listener. That is correct. Uh, we in Angardashi Connor down in Kildare and the southern southeastern region, we've had a look at, at finching and that's the, the, the umbrella term for it all. And the target species are goldfinches. Uh, bullfinches, siskins, linnets, all of the, 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 the finch family. And there is a black market there available for them. If you have a pair of, of bullfinches, you know, the one with the lovely oh, red breast. Oh, the red breast, the with the black cap. Yeah, 350 euros. For Gold, a pair. For a pair. Goldfinches averaging about 50, 50 euros a, a per bird. So there is a market there for them. And we've challenged that. We've had a number of very successful prosecutions in the district court. In fact, I have one before the, the NACE court at the moment, which will come for, for hearing in short. Who buys the those boards. Where's the market? The, the, the market is within the, 
I suppose, illegitimate dealers. And they crossbreed them then with canaries and then they get what's called a mule. And hopefully that mule bird will sing. It's like a jinnet and a, mm, uh, of, of old, you know. Yes, yeah. But no, the market is there. It's a ready market and it's something that we, we get some intelligence for. And people should be just conscious of what they see. If, if you see four or five cages in an area of trees and someone tending that on a regular basis with a decoy bird in it or with a little stick with a, with a glue on it called bird lime. Bird lime, yeah. Then you have poaching going on there. And it's very easy to capture them uh, at this time of the year, or rather during the winter, because they're hungry and they're yes. attracted then with the collar decoy bird and then they're attracted with feed, catch them. And uh, one particular area, the last raid I was on, we found goldfinches hidden in the in complete darkness in a press and they were left there so as to, to, to I suppose, take the wildness out of them. And you can imagine being left in solitary con- confinement to yourself for four or five days in absolute darkness. Your head is gone. Mm. And the same with the birds. And it, it stops them, it stops them, um, you know, reacting to to light and that type of thing. It's an awful cruel aspect of it as well. You, the salmon I mentioned, the salmon poaching still uh, a big issue. Salmon poaching is still a very, very big issue. Only two weeks ago, I was up in in Straban, and uh, we had a joint operation, joint launch there with the PSNI and the the Lox Agency, cross border cooperation, and Angarda Shiakana. It's a wonderful fishery, the River Finn, and uh, but people are poaching, and they're doing it down the Slaney, down in Wexford, where I'm from. They're doing it on the Barrow, and they're also attacking crayfish at the moment. There is a market for crayfish, and it's on the endangered species list. And uh, people are out there; they're still catching. But we're drawing attention to that and focus, and we need people to engage with us and report the matter. You didn't mention the boyne there. Then the boyne, of course, only just down the road from us. You know, us, yeah. there's a ban on catching and taking of salmon from the boyne, but I am... I'm an angler myself, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't something going on there. Well, there Um, always is. You'll always have the opportunist will go in and... Yeah. Come come on to hares. You mentioned the hare there. That's Uh, right. um, What's the story with hares? Well, hares are a unique endemic subspecies in Ireland. We can trace them back to the last ice age 10,000 years ago. And if they go, they're gone forever. You're aware of this new RH disease, RHD disease, rabbit hemorrhagic disease. I think that's how it's pronounced. But if that gets a hold in Ireland, it will wipe out that whole species. And once they're gone, Jerry, they're gone forever. But it's compounded then when you have these individuals who, who, who represent themselves as people of the countryside who are entitled to go in onto farmer's land, trespass, as described under the Act. I call it a farm invasion. And it's something which I addressed recently with the IFA and their headquarters. We need to challenge that, but we need the farmers to come out and help us and assist us and give evidence against them in, in, in prosecutions in the district court. And there is an international dimension to that as well and we would be liaising with our counterparts in the PSNI Emma Meredith and also in the crime units over in England they come over here and they have their own coursing competition illegal as it is in various parts of the countryside and this topography up here is perfect for that up around Meath and and Louth and that and it's an area that we will be focusing on going forward Jerry Eels Yes I can't, I, can't, I can't believe this. The, yeah, the poaching eels. of eels is a massive business. It's a massive, it's a massive bin business, and high high yields and very low risk involved in it. They reckon that since 1970, that the eels returning, the European eel returning to to Europe, has diminished by 90 percent. There was a hundred tons of eel captured every year, and they're sold from Europe into Asia, and then they're sold back into the EU. Uh, having been matured and fattened off, and it's making three billion euros per year. 
3 billion euros. It's incredible. And, no. and that will impact seriously. Of I mean, we have a very good eel fishery up through, I think it's Loch Ney, if mm, reserve. Yes. But we will be impacted by that. But there is an international dimension to it, as I say. Uh, lots of money to be made and low and low risk involved. <laughs> We'll take a short break. He's not going anywhere. If you want to comment, join in the conversation. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're talking about wildlife crime this afternoon with Superintendent Martin Walker. Badger baiting, dog fighting, cock fighting. Is it still a factor in Ireland today? A significant factor? It's a significant factor, particularly badger baiting. And it's something that I worked with with the National Parks and Wildlife Service for the last two years, especially up around Leash and Offaly, any of those areas there out in the bog. And so much so that I used the the, uh, surveillance unit or divisional surveillance unit to, to target particular individuals and go out and try and catch them and prosecute them, catch them in the act. It's the only way you can really deal with them because you won't get admissions unless you catch them there and then. Um, it involves uh, digging, putting in a little sounder, a little terrier, and then they'll dig it out and they'll kill the badger in situ or alternatively they'll take it away and use it to be fight or to challenge uh, another dog or another badger in another area. It's horrific. There's the whole element of cruelty. And the, the Animal Health and Welfare Act is a wonderful piece of legislation introduced in 2013. And powers there are very strong. We're entitled to arrest them, fingerprint them, photograph them, DNA them. And, you know, the, if we catch them, there will be serious repercussions for them. But you also you have them straying into that whole area then of dogfighting, Jerry. And that's a particularly nasty area particularly difficult individuals involved in it, as you'll appreciate, and difficult to make inroads into. Mm. Uh, and we would always look for information. And obviously, anyone that talks to us in Garda Siakana will be dealt with confidentially. And, you know, I, w- there are various telephone numbers that are freely available there. Nobody will know where that information came from. And we can use it as an intelligence start and we can start our inquiries there. So that's a very good point of, of call for somebody because it's come in on a question here. What about confidentiality? That's all that little message says there. Right. You know, people may receive maybe the recipient of things and they have knowledge of things in the strictest of confidence to the Gardaí? That is correct, 100% confidential and there will be no repercussions for anybody. We can use it as an intelligence feature and direct or start our investigation from there. So that's reassuring. If you have any information, but... If you don't talk, don't complain when the deer are all gone, when there's no salmon running the rivers, when the birds don't sing in your garden. If you are in possession of knowledge, come forward with it. That's the message we want to get across today. Are the deterrents sufficient? Well, the fines are significant, Jerry, under the Wildlife Act 1976. The first offence, I think, is a 1,500, going up to actually up to 50,000. And then there are prison sentences as well. But what other people, these individuals, what they should consider is that if they're caught, we can revoke their firearm certificates. We can do what's called a consequential uh, disqualification in relation to the driving of their vehicles. If they're using a car to facilitate this criminal activity, we can um, have them disqualified in, in, in an open court. And I- you know, the judiciary often get criticised, you know, you'd know it only too well yeah. from your job and I'm not getting into that today but I take it judges are aware of the sever- severity and seriousness of these crimes. They are and they're I suppose more recently they're more au fait with it and they realise the impact it has on biodiversity and our, and our various systems throughout Ireland and they will they will deal with matters accordingly. We've I've had a number of prosecutions and gone to various counties and prosecuted around Ireland. Judges now have an appreciation and an understanding of the significance of wildlife crime and they're dealing with it accordingly. That's really good to hear. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, we're in Angarda Siakana. Just tell me a little bit about that. You know, you, you, you are a champion of this, I know, as well. But what's happening in general within the force? Well, Angarda Siakana, what we're trying to do is, as I said before, no one agency can deal with it. We're trying to develop partnership collegiality, camaraderie and instil DNA amongst the various groups. Uh, in January with the, the, the National Parks and Wildlife Services we ran a joint training seminar down in, Kil- down in Kildare in Newbridge and we had 65 members of Angarda Siakana who attended electively, Jerry. They weren't directed to go. They came because they had an interest from 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 Meath and West Meath and Louth as well. And I was delighted. I seriously expected 20 to be there. There were 65 guards and 30 National Parks and Wildlife Rangers. So that was a tremendous success. And Near to the Ground came down and they did a programme on it as well. And it was aired and they came out and did a pra- an operation on, on, on poaching, trying to catch poachers on the night. So it was a wonderful success. I firm believer in using print, broadcast and social media as a tool to, to, to challenge this robustly, this nefarious activity, and I think it's the way forward. But we need to train up more members as well. We've appointed inspectors in each county, and uh, we're having success. And we also I work closely with the IFA, with the Department Vets, and I also work with the National Park, and we had a recent course for two days up in County... Claire in relation to their new inductees and trainees and we were talking about interviewing and practical ex- uh, exercises at night time, stopping, searching interviewing, taking notes and that type of thing. So it's all very proactive and very good and very positive, Jerry. Something you say there, and that's so true about it under the cover of darkness, a lot yeah. of this stuff happens. Unfortunately, yes mm. it is and I spoke to, to fishery officers from the IFI uh, National Parks and Wildlife it's all nocturnal activity and now they're gone so cute now they shoot the deer they, 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 they mark them on their computer and they come back and they collect them the following day because it diminishes the opportunity of us catching them red-handed travelling at night time Well look it's something I, I, I love uh, nature and wildlife myself I have to say and uh, it's something I'm very keen to highlight uh, today on the show and uh, I wish you well with what you're doing Martin and uh, for the success to you and your colleagues and it's great to hear that there's such an interest in this. No there is a great interest and just to, to congratulate um, uh, Emma Higgs and Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland she has an awareness campaign starting in about two weeks and she's going around with about 7,500 flyers to various houses and uh, hopefully we're going to have a conference next year open to the public in general in 2020 and um, Emma's a wonderful exponent 
of that. She is indeed, and we'll be hearing more about that on late lunch and on. But for the moment, Superintendent Martin Walker from Angardashia Connor, thank you for joining me today. A really interesting discussion on wildlife crime. Thank you indeed for joining me. I don't think it's too late. The 19th of August, I think it's just perfect today to start talking about this. Now, she may disagree with me, and I'll listen to what she has to say, but I know people run out the first day of the holidays and get the uniforms and all that, but listen, I hope you've enjoyed your summer. And now turn your thoughts to the school and going back, says I. Siobhan O'Neill White from Mams.ie is here. Thank you for joining us again the show yeah. for our annual feature. You're very welcome back and again. And I disagree with you straight do away. You? Okay, that's all right. Yeah, I start in May. Do you? I do. <laughs> Jerry, most mothers what I, do know I know what start do I know? in May <laughs> because it's so expensive and it's not getting any better and the government are useless. They have said so many times that they're going to intervene and they're going to help and they're going to cut costs and they have failed every year to do it. You know, St Vincent de Paul are inundated with people now saying, I can't pay the school fees, I can't buy the crested uniform. You know, I meet women all the time. We run a lot of coffee mornings through mams.ie. So I'm on the ground and I'm talking to people and they're there's just a level of distress about back to school. People don't so, go on holidays because of it. It's it's awful. Here's the thing. I read these mm. headlines splashed across the newspapers, yeah. which they have been for the last month or so. It's up this, it costs that yeah. much. Come on, put a figure on it. Right, me. I tell you now, this year I have a son going into transition year. Not optional, he goes into transition year. And his the basic school fees for him for his admin and his trip and his iPad is fourteen hundred and fifty euro before I buy a shoe or a school bag or a uniform. So it's three hundred and fifty euro admin fee, six hundred euro for his trip to Venice. Now the trip to Venice is optional. But he's had a part-time job this summer, so he's chipping in towards that. And actually, I think the trip is a great thing. It's going to be a life experience. I have actually no problem paying €600 for him to go to Italy. I think that's a good thing. €350 fees, yeah, I have an issue with that. Um, And then the iPad... You know, when it's coming up parents like that, because we had a tablet rental system where it was 150 euro a year for three years. And then when they're going into fourth year, they switch. So some parents are facing it. We bought the iPad last year because his his tablet was just, it was wrecked. It, was, it wasn't a good quality tablet. Um, the, re- the costs are really high. Really, that's the cost so of a holiday. Like that's in that's in the second level. That's school. transition what about, year. What about primary school children? What would you, you be talking about? Yeah, there? well, you if you have a book rental scheme, mm. you'll probably pay the school maybe between seventy and hundred euro. That's what we pay. Then you will have um, to buy stationery. Some schools will provide it. You'll have to maybe pay a fee towards that. Then you have the uniforms. Uniforms can be quite expensive if they're crested. Sh- um, schools will tell you to go to a recommended supplier, and I have a major issue with this. So our school tells us, my school is in just outside Drogheda and they tell us to go to a recommended supplier in Swords. They have a relationship with that shop. Right. I can buy my kids uniforms and best wear on Chop Street cheaper, four miles from my house. So why would I drive to Swords? I'm not going to do that. And is that what you've done? That's what I've done every year. Oh, and are they crested? they embroider the crest on in the shop so you could actually go in there you could buy a tracksuit in Tesco or Dunn's or whatever and you could bring it into Bestware and they'd embroider it for you or you could buy the tracksuit there crested Mm. he's cheaper than swords and I would have much rather shop local and I was last year somebody said to me 
if his clothes are cheaper, they must be uh, made in some sweatshop somewhere. So I had a tracksuit that I had bought in Swords and I had a tracksuit that I had bought in Drogheda and they're made in the same place. The manufacturing labels are identical. Okay. So it's just cheaper to buy local. Um, you've, you've been gone through a couple of them. I was looking at mm. shoes is there as yeah. well. You know, you have oh, getting ready a school bag, the lunches. You shoes have- is a big issue, Jerry, because if you have a teenager, do you think they want to wear a pair of leather school shoes? Like, they just don't, particularly boys. They re- Also, we have an obesity crisis in this in this country. I think they should be allowed to wear plain black runners, black, their black runners to school, and at lunchtime kick a ball or have a game of basketball. If they're in a pair of leather shoes, they're much less likely to do some sort of activity. So I think, I, I personally, I know some parents really disagree with me on this, and they say they should have a formal shoe. It looks better. It's part of the uniform. I'd rather my children be kicking a ball around at lunchtime than sitting in a pair of leather shoes. That's okay, me so the runner you favour there rather than the shoe yeah, itself. Yeah. But when you add up all these things, what do you think a primary school child would cost? Can you put a round figure on it? What would you think it would cost for a primary really, school? really varies from school to school. It really does. So the voluntary contribution in some schools is voluntary and in some schools it's kind of voluntary as in your child gets a locker if you pay it and your child doesn't if you don't pay it. Mm. Or your child gets a little badge to say you know, you've paid that voluntary contribution, whereas if you haven't paid it, they don't get the badge. Now, our school never did that. They never embarrassed parents who didn't give it. But parents shouldn't have to give it. Because here's the thing, if you're paying, so €30 Euro for the Crested tracksuit, and in other shops it might be 40 or 50 but locally 30 you're paying €30 Euro for a tracksuit. You're paying €30 Euro for a Crested jumper or cardigan. You're paying extra money for these uniform items that the school are insisting your child wear. And then on the other hand, they're looking for a voluntary contribution. Whereas if they went with a generic uniform straight away, you're slashing the cost for parents and they're much more likely to get it. But I don't believe parents should ever be in a position where they have to feel I need to give a contribution to the school. And the costs vary so widely. So the iPad for my children's secondary school is €500. We had to buy from the supplier the school said. We had to say we're from this school. I had to buy two of them because I have two in secondary. I said to the girl, I need to buy two. Is there a sibling discount? Well, you know, if you're stuck, you could get a loan. I was horrified at that. I said, no, I'm only asking, is there a sibling discount because I'm buying two? Um, But but there's a school in Drogheda and the iPad is €900. So it's a different kind of an iPad. So it depends on what the school is recommending. There's no regulation. There's no uniformity between the schools. There's a school just outside Drogheda that, ins- that insists that the girls wear these uh, Dubarry shoes. They're €100 Euro a pair. But you could go into Dunn stores and they have a pair almost identical for €25. Euro. So if parents feeling under pressure that they have to buy a certain shoe or they have to buy a certain jumper... That's all pressure that parents don't need. That's but before you buy a book. Isn't that the bigger picture that perhaps we need this looking at from mm. a national perspective? That, we do, You yeah. know what I mean? That Rory Quinn went on about it. Oh, he never stopped saying how he was going to do away with Crested uniforms and he was going to get rid of all these extra costs for parents. Then he retired and nothing happened. Nothing happened when he was there. Nothing has happened since he left. There's literally... I suppose the government are firefighting with so many things with Brexit and homelessness and there's obviously massive issues out there. But it's a real pressure on parents. I've spoken to parents who are going through charity shops at the moment. There's a dictionary that's on the curriculum this year for children. Children that are seven, eight, nine years old. It's 20 euro. 
We had a coffee morning last week and one of our mammies found it in the St. Vincent de Paul shop in Lawrence Centre for a euro. And then we, so we now, I said, so I know someone in that shop and I said, look, if you get any more of them in, can you let us know? Because there's five or six mammies that are saying, I can't spend 20 euro on a dictionary. So they're all trying to find them now you know, secondhand or in the charity shops. So that brings me in onto yeah. something that I spotted on BBC Breakfast last week mm. um, in the UK where a group of parents in a school in a particular area got mm-hmm. together and they asked other parents, how are your children finished at school? Have you got clothing that's in good fettle? Not stuff that's, you know, you know what yeah. I'm talking about, that's well maintained, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And they had a free day in the school and they worked hard, all these ladies. They brought all these yeah. clothes in. There mm-hmm. was shoes involved as well as other good. things. And people arrived. There was no charge. They said, what's you need for your child yeah. so really you know what I mean and I thought to myself they had to as well these mm. people they were being interviewed saying we cannot afford what's yeah. been looked for is there anything parallel to that or similar to that in this country yeah there, well there is with the charity shops in fairness so whenever yeah. my kids outgrow a uniform if I think it's in good nick now I have passed I have four kids so I have passed things down yes, from of child course. to child so for example my son wanted a North Face jacket and they're expensive and he now mm. he wanted it as part of his Christmas box it was expensive but he's outgrown it and I said look Will we? Get, it's a really good winter coat. Will we give it into? So we give it into St Vincent de Paul shop in Betty's Town. So hopefully somebody will, will benefit pick that from up. that. Yeah, so and I think we need to do that. Yeah, but there's, you know, th- there could be more done in in the context of the whole education, like those group of people did in a particular school. You and know, that's, but that's a reaction to the extreme costs and pressures that are being put on parents. I think yeah. we need to go back to why are the extreme costs and pressures okay. being put on parents? Like okay. you need to go back and look at school. Like any a school can say let's go for the iPad, that's a thousand euro, or a school can say, let's go for the iPad. The schools can do what they like to a certain extent. So let's start at the base. So with mm. shoes, you stand on shoes. You believe that, you know, the recommendation of a shoe, a generic shoe is fine, you're saying. Yeah, a a teenager will not wear a right, generic shoe. Right, that's there, okay. You know that, right? Uniforms, you say, generic. again, uh, you know, it doesn't, don't point us in the direction of a single supplier that's going to charge us X amount. Give us the ability. It will be the same colour. Why would you have to drive 30 miles? To a supplier, <coughs> that when you can shop yes. local in the town, yes. I don't get that. I, I don't support that. Okay, at all. and it's same with the the jumper and that as yeah. well. So, so these are things that can happen at the minute. Though, if you're, do I take it that everybody has bought everything at this day on the nineteenth of August? They're still buying, uh, and they're. I mean, so, so, so where they're still going around. Like, so you'll have shops now. Some shops are late with their stuff, and so they're probably starting to buy the coats and stuff now. Mm. So the likes of Pennies and Duns will have their winter coats coming okay. in now. Um, I would always say to parents, look for a bargain. So we were able to find Nike runners for €30 Euro in Lifestyle Sports in Marshes, which is a good price because it's Nike and the kids are happy and they're playing black and a lot of schools will say black or white. Um, Half-price coats and Trespass in Marshes. Like, this is the time now where you're looking for the bargains. You probably have the books sorted. Eason did 10% off for most of the summer. They have a great service if you drop. If you're not sorted yet, you can drop your book list in off you go, come back a couple of hours later and it's in a bag ready for you to pick up. Oh, dream. And it's a free service, yeah. And that takes That's some, Eason's. That's Eason's. And that takes a bit of pressure off. Uh, schoolbooks.ie is very good for, for Grail, bo- Grail School Books. I found they have a great section all for the Grail School Books because they can be a bit difficult to find. So I found shopping with them very easy. There's a new company around called schoolbox.ie and this is great. And this is about saving parents money. And it's a box. And in that box is the uniform, the shoes, the bag. 
the locker, the keys for the locker, it's a box full of everything that your child needs and you pick all the things and you get them into the box and they work with charities and things like that. So schoolbox.ie. And that's they'll a good do it one. for your specific school. Yeah, yeah. They'll do it for your child. So you tell them the colour of the tie, the colour of the skirt, the length of the skirt, the, the jumper. They'll put a crest on if you need a crest put on and they put it all in a box. This is great for, say, if two parents are working and they're very busy, schoolbox.ie will take some of the hassle of you going around and getting all that stuff yourself. Siobhan O'Neill White from Mams.ie is with us on Late Lunch. We're talking about back to school and the costs involved and trying to give you pointers here, there and everywhere to help you along because it is, as you heard Siobhan saying at the start, a very, very expensive time. More sound advice to come from Siobhan after the break. Siobhan O'Neill White from Mams.ie is with us on Late Lunch and we're talking back to school today. In case I forget, I was warned to raise this with Mm -hmm. with you. One word, uh, plural, labels. Yeah, it's so important. So there's a great company called Stuck On You, stuckonyou.eu and you go on there and you can buy labels for their pencil cases, lunch boxes, their uniforms, importantly, their coats, their shoes. You can get a box with all the labels that you need. They also do personalised lunch boxes. It's a bento box. I absolutely love these. It's a pe- it's like a lunchbox that comes with your child's name on it. So you pick the colour, the design and all that. They have your child's name on it. And then inside is all little compartments for their fruit and their sandwiches. And it's just so clever. Everything stays fresh and it, it keeps everything at a cool temperature. Uh, we've had one of those for our daughter and she loves it. Um, that's from Stuck On You. And then again... Rather than tinfoil every day and cling film every day, you're using this one box. You give it a rinse at the end of the day and you're cutting down on your plastic usage and it's environmentally friendly, but it keeps the food. I was able to slice apples and put a sliced apple in that box and at lunchtime her apple hadn't gone brown. Well, that says yes. an awful lot. So a mm. bento box is... Stuck on you, bento stuck box. Stuck on you and, and, and the labellings. The, labeling. the labels and the boxes. You can have okay. the pencil cases and all with their names on them. It's great company. All right, perfect. Um... School bags. School bags. If you have a child starting school, they might be a little bit apprehensive. So for younger kids, Smiggle is very good. You've won in pavilions, you've won in the ILAC. There's a few of them around the place. They do these bundles and it's like the pencils are scented and the rubbers are funny colours and they have a pencil cases, the furry pencil cases. It's like... Disney school but it's like walking into Disneyland or something it's just explosions of colour everywhere for small children it's really nice to bring them in and let them pick their bag it's cute older kids they're not going to want anything like that they're going to want some sort of a label so if they're looking for something like Nike or Adidas or something like that Argos is very good for school bags and Argos is very good for calculators I got really good scientific calculators that are approved for junior and leaving cert at a good price uh, TK Maxx is very good for school bags as well you will find labels in there particularly if you have teenagers because they're fussy little gits and they're going to want a label but you don't want to spend a fortune on it so they would be quite good for the bags I would say and of course, the whole emphasis now uh, is on reuse, recycle yeah. and, and getting away from the plastic. I, I, I know it's easier said mm. than done, but, but this is the way the push is. What about stationery across the year, you know, and their needs yeah. there? Some schools will provide a lot of the stationery, but inevitably you're going to need to have some things yourself. So I would say get a good pencil case, like a really good pencil case that they can fit a good lot of colour and pencils in and markers in and label it as it's their one. Um, Eurogiant is very good. Deals is very good. Eason has good offers on as well. Even Dunn's and Tesco will have offers and stuff like that. Um, the likes of Eurogiant and Deals, you're going to get a lot. You, they do brands like Bic, proper brands that are, you know, Tipex and things like that. And they're 150. You, you can't go wrong. Um, my kids all have their own 
like you know their own boxes with their own colouring and bits and bobs in them there's another company I found there's a company that is really cool for chargers you can put a sticker on your charger for your phone have you heard about these guys you buy a sticker, you put a sticker on the charger. So you know the way your child is always nicking your charger saying, that's my charger. I must, I have to look into it a little bit more. It's an Irish company started by a group of teenagers um, that you can label your charger. I am so labelling my charger because between all the iPads and the phones and the tablets, it's charger war in our house every day. Oh, a lovely message here coming and thank you for it. Bay Estate Primary School in Dundalk, wonderful school it is. The maximum book rental is 15 euro. Excellent. Uh, they do not charge a voluntary contribution or specify specific footwear or stockists oh, to buy your unit uniforms. Great. Do you know what Bay Estate Primary School you should be running the whole system in Ireland. Yeah. Every single school because that's the way it should that's be. That's how it should everywhere. be. Yes, why are why are we putting so much pressure on parents. I mean, we're already under pressure. We've had the summer holidays and you're trying to keep, you know, summer is an expensive time. You're trying to keep the kids happy. You're taking them for days out, but you're you're always on, you're always re- careful about budgets and things like that. So this year, even we got, um, I got roller skates so I could go roller skating with my kids and I, and, and I can't do roller blades because I'd fall and injure myself terribly so I was able to find roller skates with the four wheels and the stopper in the front like when I was a kid there's a company in Dublin Go Skate and um, so I've been roller skating just to get out with the kids we roller skate down towards the beach we have I have a coffee they have a juice and off we go back home literally as a way to do fun stuff with them but not be spending a load of money all the time uh, and, and it's it's always on the mind. That's what you're saying to me now, that this is a huge issue for everybody. Oh, I, and that's what we're worry, talking about the today. Worry. I'm, I'm speaking with mummies all the time. Mm. They are seriously, seriously stressed. And I know these surveys come out uh, all the time from financial institutions telling you, back to school costs so much, come and get a loan off us. To really try not to get a loan if you can avoid getting a loan. If you're struggling, talk to the school. Mostly the schools will be quite flexible. So if you're struggling, go quietly and have a chat with somebody and say, look, might not be able to pay that until the end of the month. Or can I pay it in instalments? A lot of schools now have this option where you can pay in instalments. So, for example, with the big school fee for my son for his transition year, I have the option of doing 10 payments of €35 rather than one payment. So, I mean, look, it's still a lot of money. um, But at least you can stagger it out. Now, if you were going to get a loan, you'd probably be paying it back in a similar way. So look at options. But of course, you're not going to be paying interest if you're paying in Installments to the school, but you will on a loan. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining us on the show again this time. It's uh, one I love to do each year and focus on. And thank you for all the hints and tips that you give to people there. And uh, I, I know the solid advice there that will help you save and get them back to school. But I say again, the bigger picture, Siobhan was saying, needs to be looked at here from mm. a national level for all schools. Until the next time, check her out. Siobhan O'Neill White on mams.ie. Thank you very much for joining me on I the show. Care. You know him well, Owen Colgan from the Hardy Books, who joins us now to tell us all about something new with Coors Light. Owen, it's great to talk to you. We all know about the Rocky Mountains range in the States. However, Coors Light have a new take on the Rockies. Will you tell us more? Well, Coors Light are celebrating victories in your life, big and small, with the Rocky Awards. And uh, the Rockies are rewarding the victories in your life that usually go unrewarded. So from getting a promo at work to getting a table in your local, Rockies want to celebrate both sides the 
big and small victories. Most important now, Owen. Tell us how people can enter. The way you can enter is myself and Joanne McNally will be announcing categories on the Coors Light social media channels each month and fans can tag a mate who deserves an award under the video to be in with a chance to win a Rocky Awards and some Coors Light prizes. So basically what you have to do is go onto the social media channels and Instagram and Facebook for Coors Light, hashtag the Rockies, and give us your victory that's big or small. I'm curious, Owen, how come you're involved in this? I really like the idea. I think that people should definitely be celebrating the victories in life, big and small. And what better way to do that than with a pint of cold, refreshing Coors Light? So, what's happening on Thursday evening next? So next Thursday, I'm going to be on stage doing a bit of stand-up, telling jokes, telling some brilliant jokes that you've never heard before. Then I'm going to be bringing people up on stage to play a few games, a few challenges, and I'm also going to be presenting Rocky Awards to the beautiful listeners of LMFM. Victories in life. Owen, can you recall a significant victory in yours? A victory in my life? Well, I suppose one of the main victories in my life, which is ongoing, is uh, when myself and my father, we spend an evening out on the farm working together, fencing or, you know, getting chicken eggs or moving cows from one field to the other. A victory in that sense would be me and my father not arguing because he's got a short temper, I've got a short temper, I'm a terrible farmer, he wants me to be a great farmer. And getting through the day with my dad without arguing for me is a huge victory. For him it's a small victory, but for me it's a big victory. Thanks Owen, really nice to talk to you. And don't forget the Coors Light Rockies listener party happening on Thursday the 29th of August in Ridley's Dundalk. And stay tuned to LMFM Radio for further information. All this week on Late Lunch, we're teaming up with Coors Light, who want to reward life's big and small victories through their new awards, the Rockies. We're giving you the chance to win cold hard cash, some Coors Light goodies, and the chance to attend the exclusive Rockies Victory Party, an awards ceremony like no other. Shane Carlin's on the line to tell us about a big win for him when all appeared lost. You're on, Shane. Let's have your story. It was about 12 years ago. We were going on a honeymoon, me and Olivia. We were going to South Africa on a safari and then on a road trip then for a week after. We flew over, got picked up. It was all inclusive. Everything was paid for. So they picked us up. We went off. We'd done a safari. And then afterwards, we, we went back to the next city and we were renting a car to go across the garden route. It was over a week. We um, got to the airport. All hotels and everything all booth paid for everything. So all we brought with us was spending money. Got to the airport, went down to the car rental. Says to man, yeah. He says, I have good news and a bad news. He says, the car we had for you isn't actually available. He says, good news is we've upgraded you to a Mercedes. So we were like, oh, yeah, nice one, Betty. Yeah, yeah, grand. So he said, just give us your credit card to swipe there now and we'll get you on your way. I don't have a credit card. So I said, the car's all paid for already. I didn't think I needed to bring a credit card with me. And he says, no, I need a credit card to swipe or I can't give you the car. So we were like, we don't have a card, so we don't have everything we rang me father, he gave me his credit card over the phone, the man said, no, I physically need a credit card, so we rang the travel agent and booked the truth. They vouched for us, said, look, we know these people, there's no problem, we'll vouch for them, the man said, no, but they're not getting out without a card. So we standing there, all hotels paid for, everything for the next week, it's all on the line, we have no way of getting to the places, and all of a sudden this fella comes up and he taps on the shoulder, so that can go in, and he says, eh, uh, you guys, uh, you're in a bit of trouble. And we were like, yeah, we, we're looking to, uh, we can't get the car right, basically, unless we have a credit card, and we have no credit card. And he goes, hey, he's Irish. And we were like, yeah. And he pulls his credit card out, and he goes, here you go, mate, you can swipe that card. I'll, I'll vouch for these, this couple of like. And the man behind the counter was like, yeah, are you sure you know what you're doing? Like, you're vouched it. They're taking out brand new Mercedes, and you don't know who they are. Like, it's going to cause all kinds of problems if that happens. Like, I said, no, no, use my card there. It's no problem. 
she man swiped the card and we turned around and we said, oh, geez, thanks very much, mate. That was, that was a really nice thing to do. Like, said, yeah, well, look, I was in Ireland one time and I got stuck and an Irish couple had me out. And I said, they never got to repay the favour and I feel like I'm repaying the favour now by giving you this. So we were like, that on back very much. So we get into the car where we headed off and all went well. So never seen the man again, but... That that. <laughs> Shane, what a story that is. And you never saw him again, Shane? No, I sent him a text when we got to Cape Town. We were gone for a week. And we got to Cape Town and I sent him a text because he gave me his business card and he said, look, send me a text or an email or something. And I sent a text and said, look, all's good, cards in one piece, your credit card's safe. So but he never even, he never even texted me back. He was, some retro Neil Sportswear or something like that. Yeah, but only for him. Like we wouldn't have, we wouldn't, have, we would have had to fly straight to Cape Town. We would have skipped the whole week of hotels in between because it was either that we're going to have to bus it. But it was a long spin, like. Wow, isn't that some story? And what a stroke of good luck to have somebody like him who was repaying a favour that he received many years previously while here in Ireland. You couldn't script it, could you? No, you couldn't write it. No. No, you definitely got to know. I have to say, it was a uh, shocking nice thing to do. I don't think it would ever happen again. But yeah, that was that. Was well, Shane, that was certainly some victory for you and Olivia back then. Uh, it was a big win when you think of it because you were facing the blank page. Yeah, big time, yeah. I don't know what we would have done, to be honest. Like, we were uh, with them at that stage. We just didn't know what to do. So, yeah, it was just... Tapping the shoulder, here you go. Use that card, like, it's just amazing. <laughs> I absolutely love it, Shane Carlin. Well, let me tell you something. You've just won €200 Euros in cash, Shane. Coors like goodies, and you will have tickets for this exclusive Rockies victory party that's happening at the end of the month. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you are. I must give you man a text in South Africa and let him know. <laughs> Do that. Get in touch yeah, him now and tell him your wins go on and on thanks to that day when he <laughs> tapped you on the shoulder there in the airport. Ah, oh, lovely, yeah, lovely yeah. story. Shane, thanks so much. Yeah. Wish you well. We'll be in touch and congratulations. Thanks very much. Thank you. Get in touch with us as soon as possible. You could be winning that €200 Euro cash all this week on Late Lunch. Tell us your story about your big and small victories in life. WhatsApp us now to 086-1800-658 or you can text that number as well or call in on 1850-715-958 with your stories. Get going as quick as you can and you could be on with me on Late Lunch tomorrow. Now I have a very happy man in studio to finish the show today with me because when I tell you he's from County Tipperary, <laughs> well, should they hear him, they hear him, they're laughing in the background so he'd have to be happy and when I tell you that he was the man who granted the flat kill to Drogheda uh, some years back which happened last year and again this year I'm delighted to welcome to finish the show today Laris Omuraku Director General of Cultus Kiltori Erin Laris thank you for joining me Delighted to be here Delighted Tipperary <laughs> it was, hey, I, I was on the gig rig yesterday afternoon and there was a group on playing from mm. Wexford and I said oh you're not going to be happy this was after 20 minutes I says the cats will be going by with the McCarthy well in the blink of an eye she shifted. Yeah, yeah. I went missing for that period. I went upstairs into the bedroom watching it and after 15 minutes I was depressed and I was wondering should I leave the room and go back down. I said this is it and when they came back they came back in style. They, they did. Really did yeah. They did. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. It's a wonderful win for well, us. Well, there'll be a great celebration in Thurles tonight, as you can imagine. And luckily, there's a train station coming there, down there as well. There'll be great. Now, on the other hand, I'd have to say 
you know, Cody is something else too. Ah, uh, Brian Cody. I mean, what he has done for hurling is huge. Mm. And I saw the gracious way that he accepted what I, But that's the nature of the game. That is the nature of the man. Anyway, you're a gracious man <laughs> yourself, I have to say. <laughs> When you sit here and the dust is still settling on the second year of the Flan Drahada, did you honestly think, tell me honestly today, mm. when you were considering Drahada, bringing this big flat to the East Coast for the first time in so many years, yeah. did you believe that it would be the success it has been? No. To be honest about it, we've had this same situation before going to a particular town, nothing against Drogheda because they have a fantastic tradition. Coltis is very strong, but there are some venues that just jump out at you. And But we did know one thing for certain, that, that the amount of work that had been done with Lola Robinson, Joan Martin, the Flag Committee and the County Council. The amount of work was fantastic. And we knew that. We felt very confident, but we didn't expect the size. Like, uh, the figures that we got last year was a half a million people. We wouldn't have had that. The largest number we would have had before that would have been Derry with 430,000. But just for said about Drogheda, the first thing that struck me was friendship. Every business, every shop you went into, you got a sense they wanted us in Drogheda. The second thing was the sense of history in Drogheda permeated everything here. And then the variety of the programme. From our point of view, I was talking to three people at three different times. And I've never heard this before. Each one of the three said to me that they, as they walked through, they hadn't heard one single complaint. Now, that's unheard of. Now, it gives an indication, I suppose, of the detailed organisation that was done, the actual branding, the publicity, the quality of the entertainment, and then you had television almost non-stop. Everything was happening. So, yes, we're going to go away from Drogheda with a degree of sadness, but a huge degree of pride. Huge. Oh, I, I'm a Drogheda myself, and I have to say, it's been the greatest time in my life in this town last year and this year. I, I've seen the town that I've been reared in from a totally different light, and I want to say thank you to you people in Kiltis for bestowing that honour on my yeah. town as well and yeah. bringing what you did to it. You know, everything around this was just magnificent. But I want to particularly mention your competitors because Kyoltis right. goes on right. 365 days a year, not alone in this country, but all over the world. And the competitions in the schools sure. and the youngsters and the adults who take part in those, right. that is the essence of the FLA. It is, because in actual fact, some people sometimes wonder, how do we get this big crowd? Well, of course, the truth of the matter is, it's only the pinnacle of the work that we're doing. We now have 1,500 classes teaching music. We have 500 branches. We're organised in every county, but we're also operational in 18 countries. So you could go to Moscow there's a branch there with no Irish people, all Russians. You could go to Tokyo, South America. You can go to Argentina, to Chile, Colombia, obviously across the States and Canada, Britain and Europe. It's an amazing phenomenon that's happening at the moment. And I suppose it's all based on volunteerism. Yeah, and that is quite obvious and was to be seen here as well. All the hundreds of volunteers uh, you had. I saw the marching bands yesterday after they competed coming in. The fireworks to finish last night. I was on the gig rig myself yesterday afternoon as you were sweating over 
<laughs> the Premier County. Uh, but, you know, everything associated with, as you said, the flat TV. I have to say, from my perspective on LMFM Radio last week and everybody's perspective, it brought so much to it, us it, and it, added so much to us as well. It's absolutely yeah, and been... I suppose, in a way, it's, it's a kind of a diverse activity because, first of all, you have community involvement. People love their music just for the sake of the music. There's a great sense of friendship. There's camaraderie there. You have an Ilham Piper coming in from Brazil getting an award. Your father, Pat Herden, the founder of Shem Satira, getting an award. There's so much happening. And I went to the Cayley Band competition last night. And there was a group of accordionists there from uh, from uh, Wexford with very special needs. I was bowled over. They were on yesterday I afternoon. Was, That's who I was talking you know, about. And the audience stood as ah. one at that. They were playing great. I loved mm. when they came <laughs> and it was like coming out in the All-Ireland. You know? They won it. They won it, Laris, <laughs> even though they didn't get the McCarty Cup. It felt yeah, like it the McCarty Cup ah, to was, them. It so was, it did. Well, there, there's what, that's one thing about a flag hole. It has a thousand good stories. Yes. And the fact that all those stories are happening, they're all part of a fabric, if you like, and everybody owns it. I remember them. It was Kumas Traditional Cayley Band right. from New Ross That's in right. County Wexford. Yes, and right. I want to say I thoroughly enjoyed them ah, yesterday. They were wonderful. Oh, the dance on the stage yesterday, Firestone, Monani Roddy and her yes, dancers. Uh, yes. It's just unforgettable stuff. Yes. You've done so much good for this town and this area, I have to say. And Thank you've you. given it Thank a tremendous you. lift. You. you really have, and yeah. uh, at a time when it needed it most. And we'll never forget you for that, I promise you. Well, we appreciate uh, how welcome we felt here. We had the court to see cars. I have to say, Mick Toner got me from place to place, <laughs> places I never knew existed. <laughs> the best man. <laughs> no better man ever to get, get and, anybody around this area. And Robert Murray and his <laughs> fleet of cars. Oh, the, yeah. Look, you could talk forever about the people who worked quietly, delivered quietly, delivered uh, graciously to us. But whatever we may have done for Drogheda, what Drogheda has done for the Fla and for Coltus, Coltori, Erden, in our way, they've gone into the folklore of the Fla Cold. Just before we finish, don't go anywhere for a second. I just need to mention this. The Loudmead Education Training Board, they were with us on late lunch a couple of weeks ago after the leavings, or ahead of the leaving set results. Just to remind you, the Imperial Hotel Dundalk, when Wednesday, this Wednesday from 10 to 1. The D Hotel, Drogheda, on Thursday, August the 22nd, 10 to 1. And then the New Grange Hotel in Navin, Thursday from uh, 10 to 1 as well. Uh, post-leaving cert courses, if you're not going to college, apprenticeship, adult education, it'll all be talked about there before you go. May I say a belated happy birthday to you? <laughs> because you had your big birthday, I know, during well, the flat. What a magnificent place to celebrate. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it, sometimes you tend to try to keep your age a little secret. Every second person that I was in contact were wishing me a happy birthday. But it was great. It was fun. It was great. It was <laughs> Do you great. know what? You're an example of someone that the cultus and the music and the culture keeps young. Laris Omoraku, thank you indeed for joining us to bring the curtain down on Flat 2019 in Drehedaha on Mullingar next year. All looking forward to already 2nd to the 9th of August. God of Mila, Mila Mahagod. August Tussafreshen. Uh, that's a lot on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. See you tomorrow, one thirty. <laughs> The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The elegant, classy and agile Renault Megane Hot Hatch is fantastic with a chassis tuned for thrills. What are you waiting for? Drop in to Blackstone Motors and test drive a 192 Megane Hatch, Sports Tourer or Grand Coupe Toda.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.